This is Ray Shackleford, the host of Empower. And on this week's episode, we're joined by Ms. Algenita Davis of CCPPI, where we discuss the organization, its vital role when it comes to affordable housing and gentrification, the Urban League's first-time homebuyers program, and of course, we close it out with the census. Empower is a podcast presented by the Houston Area Urban League that serves to inform young professionals about the Urban League, its programs, and the various civic and social topics pertinent to the community they serve. Welcome back to the Empower podcast. This is Ray Shackleford, your host. This is presented each and every week by the Houston Area Urban League. And today we are joined by another special guest, Ms. Algenita Davis, excuse me, who is someone who has had a profound impact on me personally, on the Houston community, especially when you're talking about black people, and of course, the Houston Area Urban League. Welcome, Ms. Davis. How are you doing today? Thank you. Welcome. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad to be welcome and be a part of this. This is exciting and an exciting aspect for the Houston Area Urban League and the Urban League that I'm really not familiar with. So this is new for me. So yeah, this is great. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Exciting times, even in the midst of the pandemic, we are finding ways to continue to get good and critical information to the community. And today, first and foremost, because you are, again, someone who's had such significant impact in the Houston community and with the Urban League, how did you get involved with the Urban League? How did you get started? Well, it was my pleasure to serve on the Houston Area Urban League Board for many, many years. Uh, from the time that the uh, Houston Area Urban League was um, on San Jacinto Street, I believe, in a building and being a part of the effort to acquire uh, its current building on Texas Avenue. Uh, that was that was very a very interesting aspect and, and I got a chance to play a role as a board member with that part of it. Um, my most significant, I guess, uh, achievement in addition to those long-term board member uh, board opportunities as well as the uh, participating as the chair of its economic development committee was to become chair of the Urban League. So I was the chair of the Urban League at the time that uh, we hired the current uh, CEO and president, Justin Robinson. So it was really exciting for me to, to chair it and uh, for us to have an individual with a long-term legacy with the Houston Area Urban League because his grandfather was one of the individuals along with uh, Edwina Higgins and Gerald Hines, uh, John Chase and others who actually got the Houston uh, area chapter started. So for us to bring in someone with that legacy, with that connection, with that devotion to Houston's economic uh, progress, was very exciting, and that I think was was a significant accomplishment as a chair. So, seeing as you've been involved for so long, why why have you remained engaged with the Houston Area Urban League, uh, and why do you feel like it's important? There's just so much for for the Urban League to do. Uh, it's needed now more than ever. Uh, this time that we are going through. Uh, with the challenges of entrepreneurs and small businesses is really a time for the Urban League to uh, wrap its arms around its constituencies and do those things 
that it really can do, and that is to help our entrepreneurs, help our small businesses. With the programs of the Houston Area Urban League, having been with Goldman Sachs and the entrepreneur uh, program, as well as the small business opportunities where the Urban League is training individuals, as well as helping individuals come in and actually apply for jobs and use our computer resources. Uh, this is really the time, given the high rate of unemployment and the tremendous significant impact of the pandemic on our small businesses. So it's, it's truly needed now more than ever. Um, the challenges are as great as they were probably uh, when it was even founded. They're, they're, they're even more, um, it's, it's needed now more than ever. No, absolutely. And you know, today, the thing that we wanted to focus on was housing. Um, that was actually how I personally got my started, uh, at least in a more formal fashion, working in the housing department, doing rental utility assistance on behalf of the Urban League back in 2010, when we had the HPRP uh, program, Homeless Prevention and Rapid Rehousing. And so currently the Urban League helps people as it relates to transitioning from renting to purchasing homes, going through the first time home buyers class, they also do assist as it relates to uh, foreclosure mitigation and helping people to navigate that process. But we wanted to talk about the relationship between the Houston Area Urban League and CCPPI. And so first and foremost, can you tell our listeners what is CCPPI and what is your role with the organization? Right. I'll tell, uh, talk about that, but I'm also, um, I also remember helping to form the Houston Area Urban League's Community Development Corporation, which is an organization that is there to focus on housing and housing opportunities. So not just with the rental program and providing the assistance and being a, a, a funnel for assistance that will come through to individuals. Uh, the Urban League itself and its building sits right in the midst of our largest homeless area downtown. And so it, it has, it, it really has answered the call for addressing the rental issues, the homelessness issues. And with the creation of the Community Development Corporation, it is there to identify opportunities to create brand new housing, whether it's multifamily or single family. I'm with an organization called the Center for Civic and Public Policy Improvement, CCPPI. One of our, um, one area of our mission deals specifically with housing. We work with healthcare and um, we work with economic development. Our mission is to focus on education and criminal justice as well. But in the housing arena, which is our primary focus, we are diligent, diligently working on creating opportunities for affordable housing. So what we are finding in Houston quite a bit is that for areas that are near our business uh, centers and our employment centers, it's hard to um, maintain affordable housing in those areas. So CCPPI has a contract with the Midtown Redevelopment Authority where it is responsible for uh, implementing what's called the Southeast Houston Housing Initiative. 
And it that affordable housing initiative that's been set up by Midtown has been done so because the legislation that created uh, the Midtown Development Authority, which was legislation um, sponsored by um, Senator Craig Washington when he was in the in the Senate for the state for the state, as well as uh, Garnett Coleman, who works directly with the representative Garnett Coleman, and that. Midtown Redevelopment Authority must contribute one third of all of its revenues for the implementation of affordable housing. And so how does the Redevelopment Authority do that? A Redevelopment Authority functions kind of on behalf of the city. Most of the people who are part of that board are from the city or they are, they are from the Senate office, the Harris County Commissioner's office, as well as the state representative's office. And what we do is work to implement the plan. CCPPI work in, um, in connection with Roberta Burroughs and Associates to create the Southeast Affordable Housing Plan. It's a big, almost 300 page document that says this is what we should be doing in Southeast Houston to stimulate affordable housing. So that means not only identifying the land that's available, it means getting the developers and private and public developers to build affordable housing, both single family and multifamily. But it also requires that funds be expended to take care of the infrastructure. You gotta put the streets in to build the houses on if you're gonna use raw land. And in many instances, the town has purchased raw land. So now we need infrastructure funding from the city of Houston and from other sources to actually get the, put, put the streets, the sidewalks, the sewers and utilities and all that in so that you can build the affordable housing, especially on raw land. So our role as CCPPI is to do just that, to identify locations where we can have multifamily housing, one of those locations uh, is at 2AM and Emancipation, where we are working to uh, build 170 units of rental housing that will be on both the east and west side of Emancipation. And this will be a, a, mixed, afford a mixed income project. It will have units from 30 to 60 to 80% area median income. In other words, people who are making anywhere from $30,000 up to um, 60 or $70,000 for households of, of two or so. And those individuals will be able to then live in the area. What we have found with the plan is it, is a, it really is, has been created to try to stem this overwhelming tide of gentrification because this, the individuals who are in the neighborhood, in traditional Third Ward, in the traditional Palm Center area where the Houston Area Urban League has also focused and also has an office, those areas are changing so rapidly and the housing that's being constructed are the, house, the houses that developers can get in and out of very quickly and they end up building a bunch of little skinny houses that are gonna run 300, 400, $500,000. That will price individuals out of the neighborhood. And so what has happened in Third Ward, especially in 77004, you know, the median house um, in Third Ward is running 200, $300,000 just for people to move into existing homes. 
So building new homes is, will also be a challenge. What Midtown has empowered CCPPI to do is to make recommendations, find developers that are willing to take that chance, that are willing to identify individuals who are able to pass all of the rigors of the mortgage application and get those individuals in there who are the 60, 80, 100% of the median income folks to buy houses in the third ward area. So not only are we working on the, um, the apartment units, we are working on projects that involve single family homes. And this is where we have reached out to the Houston Ur Area Urban League to help us. The Urban League has done for many, many years financial education for first time homeowners. And it's financial education includes not just creating a budget, but it also includes planning for that house. What, how long is that air condition going to run? And you know, before you have to replace it, uh, what is it that you should and should not be? How long, how should you prot protest your taxes? That's a part of financial education because a lot of people, you get the tax bill and you're like, oh my God, this is a really bad tax bill, but then you don't go down there and say anything and you got to do that before May. So this yeah. is one of the things that, that's a part of the training that that homeowner has to receive that as well as things about making sure that that home is run um, where you're not running up your bills and running up the air condition, air condition electrical costs and any kind of training that you get that homeowners think, well, this should just come to you. Well, no, not necessarily. Many people who have not lived in an, uh, a house where they've been responsible for every one of those bills don't really know it's gonna cost some money to cut that grass. You gotta get that out there to do that. You gotta make sure that when that toilet is running, go turn it off at the bottom. Do not let it keep running or else your water is gonna go up. Those kinds of things are very specific things that are taught in the home ownership courses. So the Urban League has been doing that for a long time and we've reached out to the Urban League and on the project that we're working on now, which is the 100, homes program that is primarily in the Palm Center area. Uh, we started off with Palmetto Place and the Urban League will train those homeowners that will be purchasing homes in Palmetto Place, which is right there at Millard and Griggs and Schroeder. And it's being constructed by the Houston Business Development Inc. And the Urban League has a relationship with HPDI which is what's called Palm Center, basically. That's, that's where it is, because Urban League is also located there. So because of its relationships and because of the background that the Houston Area Urban League has in this um, economics for uh, homeowners and homeownership and preparing, rather, for, with that application, then Urban League steps in and they can actually help us get these homeowners ready to purchase homes and then ready to operate them and successfully be in those homes. We don't want anyone to um, purchase a home and end up doing something like going out and renting a bunch of furniture and spending a lot of money that, that, you, that will keep you from paying your mortgage. And so that's something that you really have to work with that people to let them know that you just, those things you don't do. You do not rent, rent furniture. You do not rent appliances. You do not, because it's just throwing away money, you know, good money after bad. So 
that's that financial education course is where the Houston Area Urban League will come in to work with our 100 Homes program and to work with other programs as we identify them. Uh, we at CP CCPPI are doing not only the housing part, but we're also looking at the impact of education in the area with working with schools. We are working with the, um, the county as it takes a look at the health uh, initiative that's there right, that will be on, on Elgin at the, when the uh, Riverside Hospital, that uh, property is being looked at for a project that the county can do and it will have a health component aware that it's both city and county, in fact, will be there. So we are working with them there. So it's quite, it's, it's very easy for us to work together because we have the same concerns and the same goals. Our goal is to make sure that individuals who do not have these high incomes um, are not forced out of the traditional neighborhoods, out of the neighborhoods where they grew up, where their parents grew up, and out of those neighborhoods that are easily accessible to downtown. No, and you actually touched on a lot uh, of information right there. And the, the things I did want to fill the gaps in as it relates to the program you referenced with Eastern Area Urban League, um, the financial education pieces you mentioned is super, super critical. Uh, a lot of people, like you said, don't realize what the transition looks like from renting to home ownership. And so in addition to that financial component, we always have someone to come through and talk through insurance so they know, you know, what they need to look at as it relates to that. That can be very expensive, but also something that can be very complex when you look at a city like Houston with the different levels of floodplains, types of storms, obviously, that we see in the city, making sure that you have the appropriate insurance, uh, talking to the different lenders, the programs that you may or may not qualify for based on income as well as additional funding uh, when it comes to down payment assistance and those types of things, but also different realtors and the inspection process. That is something that also gets overlooked a lot of times, making sure that you do have a qualified inspector to look at the property, make sure that everything is in order. And if it's not, you go back to the seller to make sure those things get fixed uh, prior to the closing process. So it is a, a huge amount of information that gets thrown at people uh, and so we want to make sure that they are adequately educated before purchasing a home and understand what they are getting into when it comes to that responsibility. And there was two terms that you threw out that I feel like um, have a lot of different uh, connotations depending on who you're talking to. One was affordable housing and one was gentrification. And affordable housing, first and foremost, I know has a very negative connotation when people hear it. They're like, oh, we don't want affordable housing in our community. Uh, what does that mean? What comes with that? Could you kind of speak to that a little bit as it relates to affordable housing and why it is a positive thing and why it shouldn't be looked at in such a negative vein? What's really amazing is that many people, I look at, well, what's happening right now in Second Ward, where the people who are in Second Ward who live in affordable housing are complaining that affordable housing is coming to Second Ward. Well, I hate to tell you, <laughs> it's been there and it always should be there. And uh, there is this reference, as soon as you say affordable housing, somebody thinks of, of a negative impact and theft in a neighborhood and high crime and all of that. And that's, that's uh, an unfair stereotype that people will have, but it's also promoted 
quite often, which is why we lost the zoning vote, by developers. Because developers want to be able to sell the highest price property. So if you have affordable housing or like the apartment complex that we're planning for uh, emancipation in 2AM and somebody thinks, oh my God, here comes affordable housing, instead of saying, well, this is a mixed use housing uh, project, there will be people there who will be earning 30, 60, 80 and market rents as well. And it will not be someplace where there's no screening of individuals who are moving in, just like any other apartment complex that you would have that's over there in Midtown or Braisewood or wherever they are. The, the individuals still have to undergo uh, the background searches and all of that whenever you uh, have an affordable housing complex. And in addition, what doesn't happen in, in the higher end complexes is the individual, the status of individuals in those uh, apartments, because of the involvement of government funding, their status is monitored. So there are some people who cannot be there with different backgrounds, and that's gonna be monitored on a regular basis by the affordable housing developer. So affordable housing would be a house that right now it's going to run $160,000, $180,000 for a single family home. It might run two hundred. dollars Habitat is building houses, and they are way over $100,000 uh, for those houses. That's affordable housing. And individuals who commit to pay for an affordable home are going to take pride in that home. They're going to work on it. They're going to keep it up. They're going to have a significant investment in it. And with the training that they have, of course, that's better than somebody who just goes out and buys, you know, a $400,000 townhouse and they don't have a clue about what it's going to cost to run that joker. So it's just amazing to me that people will say, oh my God, here comes something and they think it's all going to be like CUNY Homes or it's all going to be like uh, Kelly Village. This, that, that's not the way affordable housing is done now. That's prohibited to have large 600, 700, 800 apartment units at one site. That is not, that's not what you do. Now the housing that's done, even by the housing authority, that housing is going to be mixed. It's going to have both market units and low income units. The individuals are gonna be screened coming in there and it's gonna be highly maintained because you have set those standards. And if you have a market unit, you're gonna maintain it in market standards. And from what I've seen with some of the stuff I looked at uh, just recently with people paying $1,700, $1,800 a month, uh, in terms of its size and the amenities, our uh, affordable housing projects will have those kinds of amenities. They will have the fitness center. They will have those things that individuals are paying that are over in, you know, the Astronome area or Braisewood area or Midtown, we will have those amenities there as well. So but that image, that stereotype is there and folks immediately go into a panic and think, oh my God, something is going to happen. But one of the things that is, amazes me is that an individual moves into an area that's in quote transition and they expect for it to transition in only the, the direction that they moved in. The area can continue to have affordable housing the way it did when they brought their behinds over there. So, I mean, it's instead of them thinking that it's going to be um, 
it's it's going to be it's going to go down or whatever while you are there now there's affordable housing all through third war right now all through the Palmson and Griggs area that's the all that's a lot of affordable housing that's there so it's unfair to say we're just gonna run off everybody or we're just gonna not have this or we're just gonna build some little skinny house in front of Emancipation Park and declare that to be the new um, mean and mode of housing for the third ward area so that's the part that's really really sad about that and i watched it in fifth ward my home area how the area where we grew up that was called the bottom where you had a lot of of absentee ownership so it was easy to transfer that to the high dollar income folks and you can't you can't even get into fifth ward now uh, by a lot in any part of Fifth Ward, the bottom, Lines Avenue, any of that area, because it's really gentrified. And gentrification, by definition, means the increase of the household income in a census tract by a, a exponential amount so that the income changes so that people who live there can no longer be considered uh, an uh, affordable which is the area meeting and Houston does not have a definition for affordable that's the other thing but affordable housing is usually considered as individuals making 30% of the area median income which is $55,000 or 60% or 80% or um, when you get to a workforce housing which is 120% Houston will still consider that affordable but that's when you get into the individuals making $100,000 or so and and that should still be considered affordable because of what it costs to build a house and put a house on the ground nowadays. So I've watched it. I've watched the change in Houston since 85 and how the the land was, how we, the bottom fell out of the real estate market in 85 and it's just been continuously increasing uh, for the past uh, 35 years. So we can see that change happening and the land price happening. But what has really happened is those areas that are very near the central business district have transitioned. And as they transition, they're transitioning one way. We at CCPPI feel strongly, and our organization was founded by a gentleman named Representative Garnett Coleman. And Garnett felt very, very strongly about that. And he even had people put up signs, this is our home, it's not for sale because he wanted to make sure that people stayed in the area and they didn't feel like they had to leave because of all of these high dollar homes that were coming in the area. So what Midtown has done is purchase the property. The property is given to a community development organization. So for minimal cost to a profit, for profit developer. So they've given land to Project Row House, for example. Uh, so that they could be a housing. They've given land to um, Montrose Counseling Center. So 2222 Cleveland, which is coming up with another 180 or so units that right, that's right there at Cleveland in 288. They have given land all over a third ward or sold it at minimal cost to developers where you can see it on McGowan, you can see it in the Palm Center area, you could see it in the northern, what they call northern third ward, which is actually the southern part, the original third ward, but that the area that's near uh, 45, there is a, a project that's a midtown project that's right on 45 and it's really well done 
and those homes were still under $200,000 because the developer did not have to pay the actual cost for the land. And those uh, savings are passed on to the individuals who are purchasing it. So they have a lot of equity right now. And what we do to try to encourage people to stay there is we have provisions in the deed that will allow us to recapture any increased land costs if folks want to pack, you know, go in and buy it and then move away very quickly. And so we want folks, families that are interested and committed in staying in the community, and that's what we're trying to do. So we're also working right now with Habitat to um, place uh, uh, houses on some land that's near the Palm Center area. And we're really, really excited about that project. But gentrification, it's just amazing. And it changes the face of the community. It changes the culture of the community where initially it was great to have all the small businesses going down emancipation. And now those small businesses are considered um, you know, really bad things to have on there because that interferes with the little occupants of the skinny houses. So it's a, it, we, as I watch that happen, it's disturbing that the culture of that neighborhood. In Thurwood, for example, Emancipation Avenue has been designated as a Main Street project. That means that the state of Texas is encouraging Thurwood to restore the economic development of Emancipation Avenue, where the stores used to be there, the theaters were on Emancipation, the restaurants, first time we ever went to a restaurant with a tablecloth was the Club Supreme on Emancipation back in the day. And that was the place to go, El Dorado Ballroom, uh, the PABA was there, but there are all these economic locations, the real estate companies, the drug stores, and all of that up and down Emancipation. And as our world changed and desegregated, those businesses are no longer there. But the need for the services is still there. We still need a pharmacy. We still need the health clinics. We still need the, the stores. We still need the barber and beauty shops. We still need the places to go buy a sandwich. You know, where can you buy a sandwich on Emancipation? We have Doshi House where you can get coffee, but Starbucks ain't coming to Emancipation. So what we're trying to do is encourage economic development of Emancipation. So the way we're doing that is to build a building where these places can be, where you can get legal services, where you can have a bank, where you can, and so we're building what's called the Emancipation One building at 3131 Emancipation. It's a five-story, 58,000 square foot building. And that building is to house organizations that are pushing for affordable housing and pushing to provide services for people who live in affordable housing. Everybody else can come too. But the key is if there, there's a synergy whenever you get organizations working together to create affordable housing, they, that they work off each other, that they know about information, Houston Housing Collaborative providing information. We want to get anybody who's interested in doing affordable housing, come and be in this space. Come and help us create affordable housing all across the city. And so that's what the purpose of this building. There'll be other things there too, but that's really our purpose to create what's called Affordable Housing Operations Center. 
No, and that sounds phenomenal. I've seen the development and I'm looking forward to once it's completed. And to your point, um, you know, some of those things you referenced obviously were before my time, but I have seen some of the transformation as it relates to Emancipation Park, uh, the $2 million renovation that took place with that. And you touched on gentrification. And, you know, some people will say that gentrification and what they mean is the development is not a bad thing but like you said it's more so who's doing it are they being aware of the residents that have historically been there are they aware of the culture of that community and are they taking those things into consideration and i think for me that's why an organization like ccppi is important as a vehicle to make sure that they are holding developers accountable partnering with them to make sure that they are taking those things into consideration not just throwing up uh, lack or poor quality housing, make sure they're not cutting corners and putting quality products in our communities for the people that have historically been there. And so for people that are interested in the 100 Homes Project or the work that you guys are doing at CCPPI, where should they go? How do they uh, get one of those houses? What, what's the process look like? Right now, you anyone who's interested in um, identifying or becoming a homeowner or even uh, becoming a renter in any of our what the, uh, the projects that we're doing can reach us at info at ccppi.org that's the fastest way to get us uh, we are a new a small organization so there's not anybody there to answer the phone all day and all night but info at ccppi.org that will get directly to me i will answer <laughs> your request i will get back to you so I really am encouraged uh, by this opportunity and to ask people to come on board and join us. Uh, there are so many community development organizations to work with in the neighborhood. Uh, we've worked with Three Ward, Third Ward. We've worked with um, other groups I can't, you know, the names are just not coming to me right now, but the, the different um, community development corporations that are there, as well as some of our for-profit builders that are committed to doing, and you'll be surprised at how many for-profit builders are committed to doing affordable housing. Plus right now the city uh, has um, a round two of Harvey funds that are available. So you have a lot of nonprofits and other for-profit organizations that are applying for money uh, from the city to help build affordable housing uh, throughout the city. So this is the time for organizations to be aware of what's going on, be aware of the federal money, be aware of some of the money that's coming to Houston directly to our community development, um, housing and community development department from the federal government. And this is really the time, if you are interested in affordable housing, to get active and be a part of it. If you have land, if you just have the urge or your, your organization is thinking about being active in this affordable housing initiative, come talk to us because we at CCPPI would love to talk with you and work with you. Well, no, and I hope people definitely take advantage of that. For those that are interested in the first time home buyers class for the Houston Area Urban League, you can definitely go to the website, haul.org or call at 713-393-8700 to make sure that you are signing up for those classes. They have shifted to virtual, uh, but they are still being facilitated and we are working with HUD as one of the agencies with the most HUD certified counselors to work with you, which is very, very critical. Uh, that is an accountability agency uh, that works with us to make sure that we are taking all the proper steps 
to take care of our homeowners, people that are transitioning and getting them the good information that they need. Now, one thing we did not touch on uh, that in some instances is also tied to housing is the census. Uh, I know you've already completed your census as somebody who is heavily involved in the community in the civic process. What would you tell people is important to know about the census and why they should complete it? You need to be counted, number one. You need to let people know you exist. And the only way you do that is census. I do a lot of, of, of historical review and you try to look at, you know, where was the family at this time and all that. All that's tracked by census. Any information, if you want to go back and look backwards, you definitely know how important the census is. But right now it's important because it determines how much transportation money comes to Houston. It determines how much housing went. We are the fourth largest city in the nation. We do not get our fair share of federal dollars for housing, period, end of story. And the only way to make sure that we, will, we can ask for it is to say, here are the people, this is where we are. These are the numbers, these are the neighborhoods that need it. Census tracts is a definition of the location of individuals within this nation. And you want your census tract to be as big as it could possibly be. You want your numbers to be as big as they I've run into people, grown, educated people, who didn't have sense enough to fill out a census form. I, by all means, fill it out, be active on it, stay anybody you know, tell your neighbors, make sure that they are filling out those forms. That determines how much money, that determines how our, our elected official areas are cut, the boundaries of our various districts, all of that's determined by census. So you have to have to do, this is not like a play for this is This is like voting. This is something that you do just because you're live and breathing and you can. And if you don't do it, then you will be a part of negating the impact of what will be coming your way. So, you know, don't do that. By all means, fill out the census, fill out the forms, but not only that, get your friends and your relatives and your cousins and your nieces and nephews and all the folks, get the church members, get the people you drink with, get everybody to fill out that census form because that is important and it's important because of the, the funding, but it's also important because it says you exist. Absolutely. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in each and every week. Make sure that you do complete your census. You can do that online for the first time in history. If you go to my2020census.gov, we want to thank Ms. Algenita Davis for joining us today from CCPPI. It is very evident the passion and the commitment that you have for the community. We're thankful for all the years of service that you have done for us in the past and you continuing to be a part of this movement and moving us forward and the wealth of knowledge you provided today. I am sure you'll be joining us again uh, on some topic as we move into the rest of this year. I'm Ray Shackleford, the host of Empower. And again, this is presented to you by the Houston Area Urban League. To learn more about how the Houston Area Urban League is impacting the community and ways you can get involved, visit us online at haul.org. Follow us on Twitter at HOU Urban League and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play or whichever podcasting platform you enjoy. Thanks for listening to Empower. 
presented by the Houston Area Urban League.